Welcome to Pro Grace on Abortion, real talk, no politics. I'm Angela Wesley, CEO and co-founder of Pro Grace. We are a community of people who want to have the conversation around abortion. Now, it's not currently happening in our churches because there's so much tension around the debate and having a civil conversation is hard. The church is divided, but it's time to come together. And the way we'll do that is to model our approach after Jesus, not politics. If you feel like you don't really belong in either the pro-life or pro-choice camp, and you think surely Jesus has a better way, then welcome to the Pro-Grace community, a place you can belong. When I first saw the Barbie movie last week, I was struck by all the connections to having new conversations about abortion in our churches, conversations that are not political and that are really centered in God's equal value for all people. Now, you may or may not have seen the movie, and you may be wondering how I could make those (laughs) connections, but I just was um, impacted by the film because it was personal for me. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I'm still a woman today leading uh, in an environment where maybe that isn't always the case. And so a lot of the experiences of women in the film, I could connect to. I actually think that's an important conversation piece for those of us in the church. And I wanted to speak to the importance of both men and women seeing the film, from my opinion, and not letting the controversy keep us from engaging in this cultural moment. I know a lot of people say the film is political. I didn't see that in the film um, either time that I saw it. There's definitely some different worldviews. And obviously, anytime we see a film, you know, it, it just because we don't agree with some of it doesn't mean there aren't some really beautiful things in it. That's the thing about art. Um, it can can touch us in certain places. We don't have to agree with everything. And I felt that way about the film. There was just so much that resonated with me because it's art, because they were able to just really creatively illustrate what a Barbie land would be like and illustrate what it would be to enter the real world from that, that I think is really important for this reason. I think one thing that blocks us from having better conversations about abortion is we have absorbed some messages from our culture for thousands of years in terms of how men and women should relate to each other and who's more important and how we listen to each other. That's just stuff that we don't even realize we've internalized, but it's there from the time we're very little. And I have seen that in my experience block men and women from really working together in the best ways we could to listen to women facing abortion and men as well, and bring this conversation into a kingdom conversation. Instead, we tend to categorize it um, like our culture does and, and fight about it from those ways, but also view men and women from those lenses. And I think it's important for us as Christian men and women to go see the movie, to not be dissuaded by the people saying it's too political, um, and to go with an open mind and heart from a posture of really just listening to someone's experience. And for my husband and I, he came with me. It just facilitated ways of me telling him stories he'd never heard about what I experienced growing up and messages I heard about a woman with my gifts or my personality or my place in society. And um, it was a great conversation. So I just wanted to say that we're going to be putting that podcast out there. So if you haven't already seen the film, I do recommend it. And I hope you'll join us for the podcast conversation. 
I'm so excited today to be joined on the podcast by my dear friend, Simone Halpin. You're brave enough to come with me and discuss the Barbie movie, Simone. <laughs> I had to go see it first, but yes. <laughs> and we I'm excited. Have, we've known each other for years and we'll unpack that in the podcast. But I want to give context that Simone is the executive director and co-founder of Naomi's House here in Chicago, where they believe that every woman who has suffered from commercial sexual exploitation is worthy of freedom, healing, and a fresh start. And their mission at Naomi's House is to help her find it. And mm-hmm. Simone, I love your work and what you're doing. You founded it over 10 years ago. Is that right? Mm-hmm. 2000, well, 2012 was when the idea landed on a piece of paper. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so speak that mm-hmm. over a decade ago because that, that's when it mm-hmm. has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so when I saw the Barbie movie, um, I was like, oh, I feel like I need to talk about this and how it connects to <laughs> the Christian response to abortion. Mm-hmm. So I texted you mm-hmm. and you were game before you'd even seen the movie. And then asked mm-hmm. me, you were curious how it would connect to the abortion issue. <laughs> <laughs> like, help me, help me see this. <laughs> uh, but you were brave enough to say yes right at the beginning, which is pretty mm-hmm. amazing and says a lot about you. And mm-hmm. so I just have mm-hmm. so much respect for the journey God's had you on, all the conversations we've had over the mm-hmm. years, and um, mm-hmm. diving in to have this conversation. So before we do that, before we talk about our stories, I did want to say that I'm really glad, Simone, we didn't record this last week <laughs> because mm-hmm. uh, I, didn't, I didn't know how political it was last week. So mm-hmm. I saw the Barbie movie a week ago today and with my husband, and we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll share our experience. But then through the week, I was talking to different people about it and realized, oh, there's some divisiveness around here, even framed politically. Have you heard that, the political? Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I well, was- that's actually why it was part of the reason why I was hesitant to go see it is because I had heard how divisive it was and politically charged. And I thought, well, I'm not, I don't need any more of that. That's everywhere. Right. Um, and so I wasn't, and I'm to be totally transparent. I'm not a movie goer. Really? It, it doesn't necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> There's a practical side to me that just has a really hard time. Um, just sitting still (laughs) for that long. (laughs) And I know it has to have a purpose and a happy ending typically. Okay. And um, anyway, so, but when you texted me, I thought I absolutely want to have this conversation with you. I will go see the Barbie movie just to be prepared and informed, of course. And um, I think you've already, you kind of already touched on it. It's important to talk about and there's a, a platform and some leverage that the movie gives us as women who are leaders and, you know, have strong voices and um, have have positions of influence at times. That it's it's important that we are relevant and and watching the movie with those eyes. You know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wanted to start off saying that we recognize now. I've seen it twice now, and I've been reading a lot all the <laughs> political. So I feel ready to discuss it. Mm-hmm. But I did want to say I'm really glad that our previous podcast was about listening to other people's right. stories. And so I want to say that's the posture we're going to have this conversation mm-hmm. in and we're not going to have a political conversation about it. <laughs> we're not going to go mm-hmm. into what people are saying, mm-hmm. but rather it's an opportunity to listen to people's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would encourage everyone who's listening, if you haven't watched it yet, we're going to include spoilers, right? So we're just saying that right now. <laughs> go see it mm-hmm. and, or go right. listen to the, <laughs> the previous podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's an opportunity to listen to people. And honestly, that was the first 
response I had in the movie theater with my husband is I felt seen. I felt heard mm. just watching some of the stereotypes and things they were throwing up there on the movie. And, mm. and I, again, it took the second time watching it for me to process some of what we'll talk about, but mm-hmm. um, that's just the posture we want to have of listening mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people hearing. So um, yeah. I'd love to start out with your story, Simone, in terms of mm. starting Naomi's house. We can even talk a little bit about our history in mm-hmm. Chicago, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. let's just get to know you. <laughs> A bit first, before we have this really hard conversation. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, I would have to think a little bit harder than I was prepared for to tell you the years I worked for you. I can't remember I did either. Yeah. I know. I I think we both had our now 16-year-olds. Yes. You were, you had Noah when I worked for you. And then shortly after I had Maddie, who's my oldest. I think I told so, you I was pregnant or something. And then you got yeah. pregnant right out. They're not that far apart. Right. right. At, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Actually it was the first day you were executive director. Okay. If you found out you were pregnant. Yes. Do you remember that? It was the first yeah. week. Mm-hmm. Yes. I do remember that. Yeah. That's a yeah. huge not, part of my story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had been at Karis for a while, but right. that was the, that timing was very, um, parallel. So, uh, shortly after, yeah. So whatever year that was 2006 ish in my time at Karis, I share, um, when, whenever the possibility to share about like how God began to develop in me, just, um, a deep passion for women and, um, ways to serve women and how the, the church can serve women that really started. I mean, it, it was, even before working for Karis, it was definitely a part of my story because coming to faith and knowing Jesus was all through the influence of other women. So I've al- I always knew just innately the power of women when we are for one another yeah. and um, uh, we care in deep ways and, and about our community that I'd experienced just in a very direct way. So then coming to work for Karis and uh, your first I think I texted you after your first episode of this podcast. (laughs) Angie, that was so good. It was so good to remember. I was on, I was an observer of what Mm -hmm. God was doing in your life and, and in the direct wake of all the positive things that he was doing in your life, I was getting like an indirect, this is happening to me as well. Mm -hmm. And just having a lot of insight about, um, I can, I could tell, I won't, but I could tell stories of things I remember. I would remember you coming to work and saying mm-hmm. dreams you had or a new interpretation of scripture um, that you'd never seen and you saw it in a different light. And I was your audience. <laughs> and so that was um, such a formative time for me. And I continued to have children. So eventually phased out of working for you at Karis and uh, transitioned to working part-time for Moody Church, which you also referenced in your yep. first episode, um, which was so great um, to remember all that. And through my my role there, um, I was the director of women's care. I just finished my master's at Moody Bible Institute. And I was really just charged with how to take women from inside the Moody Church, which is really known for like, a, it's a heady, theologically deep church that's known for their teaching. and um, encouraging women to take that and put faith to their feet, take it outside the church. And so that was kind of my role. And through that experience, I learned about women who were being forced to sell their bodies on the streets of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I started doing street outreach 
Um, and I was discovering so much was happening through that experience. Um, I was learning about an issue that was happening literally on the doorstep of where I went to church and where I lived and where I was raising my children. I lived in the city at the time. Um, but I was also seeing the impact of other women experiencing outreach alongside me and um, recognizing that you don't have to go far, far away to right. um, experience brokenness right at our, you know, at our, at our doorstep, like I said. And so um, the more I got involved with women who were being trafficked and exploited, um, at the time, I didn't even have the language for it. I thought women were selling their bodies um, as a way of life. And this was prostitution, like I'd yep. seen in the movies. I mean, going to the, this has right. to the Barbie, right. that's mm-hmm. just, we mm-hmm. didn't even realize what we were mm-hmm. hearing, how mm-hmm. things were being framed. Oh, absolutely. And I, you would think I would not be surprised by this anymore, but I'm still so surprised that people still believe right. that women are choosing right. prostitution, that it's a, it, as if they have agency and choice in selling their body for sex, which is not the case. Yeah. And so I, you know, now that I've been in this field, this all started in 2012 was the first time I did outreach. Um, so however many years later, I'm like, I can't believe that that's still the narrative. Um, as much work as we've done and as much um, life change as we've seen happen, uh, it's still very much a perception. So I was one of the, I believe the same thing. Yeah. And the more I got to know women who were being exploited, um, commercially exploited. I mean, there was, there's, there's an entire economy that happens um, through the buying and selling of women and their bodies for sex. And so the more involved I got, um, it was just the journey of, and I think yours is similar in the sense that God is leading you down this path. It feels way bigger than you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And you're just saying, yes, the next step. Yeah. Yes, the next step. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, I approached the Moody Church um, along with the woman who co-founded with me. And we asked, can we begin a ministry that will help women come out of this life and start over? Um, and a, it's typical of a woman who's being trafficked that she has she really has nothing. Everything's been taken from her and she's completely dependent on her trafficker. So in order to come out of that, you um, women need a long-term safe place to heal and re and, and kind of re-enter back into uh, independence. And it takes, you know, we're learning years for her to yeah. do that and yeah. pretty much every resource available. So we started that journey. Moody Church said, yes, they launched us. Um, and in the sense that um, they made it clear that we had to do all of our own fundraising and that they, so they don't fund us, but they also said, you, we don't know how to do this for this demographic. So right. you have to figure out how to right. help women right. in this demographic. And so it took four years to yeah. do that, to raise the support by the house that we launched and opened the doors in 2016. So we've been serving survivors for almost seven years. That's amazing. And we're going to definitely put yeah. links to Naomi's house in the show notes so everyone can check out the ministry and what you're doing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just, I, I thought of you for all the reasons you mentioned in your story to have mm-hmm. this conversation. And I got choked up actually when you said, um, well, you talked about the power of women helping women, but then you talked about mm-hmm. your experience of me as I was mm-hmm. having, as I was going through things at Karis. And I, I and maybe this is something you talk about. I had no idea I was having that type of impact on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. think if I go mm-hmm. back to the time, I, I was probably a little afraid to share mm-hmm. what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And maybe the, the, <laughs> this is why I think the Barbie movie <laughs> reckon, resonated with me. And this is how we're <laughs> tying all this in. If, if listeners are like, how are you possibly going to tie all this in? We will, we promise. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. there's something that 
Um, and this is where we're going to talk about Barbie. There's something that I, I, I'm seeing, I'm unpacking, and it's not just the movie. This has been happening for the last year and a half. I'm unpacking ways that I've been impacted by the culture mm-hmm. and views I grew up with about women and our role, our, how we interact mm-hmm. with men that have caused me to think certain ways about myself. And that's an mm-hmm. example, Simone, where um, mm-hmm. I think I would have been very self-effacing at the time, or I'm just this, or mm-hmm. I'm just that. And you're describing this profound experience that we were having mm-hmm. together. And I think, man, if I could have had a different framework of that, and this is why I want to mm-hmm. have this conversation, if if we mm-hmm. had been um, freer to I don't know, take that seriously, the influence that we were having on each other because you were influencing uh-huh. me at the same mm-hmm. time. I just think of how much farther that can go to to help mm-hmm. solve some of these huge issues that are facing mm-hmm. us, if that makes oh, sense. Man. <laughs> and that's why I almost started crying it when you were talking. Make sense. I couldn't Aww. even explain it, but that's what was happening to <laughs> me Yeah, emotionally. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so glad you named that. I, I just want to say that We've already both expressed that we're nervous about this conversation. <laughs> yes. And um, I, 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 as you were talking, I was like, I think I can, I might be able to pinpoint why I'm nervous. Oh, and great. Number one, well, let me just say, number one is because um, I really love the church. Mm-hmm. I really love the church. God has used the church in my life in profound ways. And it's a little scary to talk about how there could be some toxicity within the church and feel like, we're not respecting and loving the church for what it is. Um, and, and that feels scary to me because I, when you love something, you don't want to disparage it. Right. Right. So that's part of where my nerves are coming from. But the other thing is in a little bit of maybe what you were feeling, you know, 15 years ago when we worked together is for whatever reason, and the Barbie movie sort of, it, you know, puts a spotlight on this. We have always been told whether directly or indirectly that we have to become smaller. Mm. women in general have this, it happens to this day where I walk into a meeting with a pastor, a male pastor, and I have to assess immediately how big can I be or how small do I have to be in this meeting? I have to decide, can he, I'm, I'm vocal. Mm -hmm. I'm opinionated. Mm -hmm. I have, I, I, process out loud mm-hmm. and I have life experience. And so I have to decide in, a, in the moment when I meet with somebody who has, I'm coming to that meeting because they're in charge. And so I have to decide how, how can I, what part, how much of my personality do I have to hold back? And can I be myself? And I feel like that is for whatever reason, the narrative, it's not even a narrative. It's just true. And I feel like I watched you go through that. Mm. 15 years ago, because you were discovering something that nobody else was talking about. Nobody else was giving us language to talk about just the the brokenness that we all felt over why women would have to choose abortion right. in the first place. Right. I mean, we grieve that, still do. And you were starting to, God was enlightening you and giving you language and insight on how this could look different. Mm-hmm. But to enter into that and be that voice is so scary. And so I'm feeling a little bit of that even t- today. Like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't have the answers to patriarchy yeah. and misogyny. I right. just want to say that. I don't have the answers. Neither do I. Neither and do to I. Even, right. And to even like enter into the space feels a little bit scary because I don't want to say, I don't want to offend anybody or I don't want to like talk poorly about something that I love, which is the church or whatever it is, you know? 
And so I think that might be tapping in a little bit to why I feel nervous as I just, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of happening in real time. Okay, this is so happening in real time because I did not think <laughs> I did not think our conversation was going to go right there. But it, we prayed ahead of time that God would take this where yeah. He wants it to go. And again, as you said that, I, Simone, you also you didn't talk about your degrees when you go to talk to a pastor. You have your master's in what's your master's in biblical bi- biblical studies. You have your master's mm-hmm. in biblical studies, and you're working mm-hmm. on your. It's a doctorate of ministry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're working mm-hmm. on it. Working on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have your um, <laughs> master's in biblical studies from Moody and you're working mm-hmm. on your doctorate from Wheaton. And, mm-hmm. and this just, I'm just highlighting, let's just camp here. This highlights. And this is, I think, the piece of the Barbie movie. You're speaking about something you've absorbed, I'm sure, from the time you were a little girl. And me too. We've absorbed. And that's, I think, the narrative that the movie was trying to point out is Mm -hmm. there are things Mm -hmm. that we absorb and we think are normal. And that's one that you absorbed. How big can I be? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I love that you put words to it because I actually am not conscious that I do that, but I, I think that I, Mm -hmm. I think I have some work Mm -hmm. to do. This is, I'm going to write this down. This will be my counseling Mm -hmm. appointment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, if we come across too aggressive or too vocal, um, or too opinionated. My experience is that sometimes the person I'm meeting with, and I don't want to say it's every, it is not every pastor. It is no, not. And not but every there man. Have been yeah, times. exactly. Right. Right. And not every man. Right. Well, they will start to shut down and I lose mm-hmm. eye contact and I am reckon, I'm, I'm starting to feel like, okay, I've gone too far. Um, I have to bring it in a little bit and picking up on those cues is just it's the problem I don't know how to fix, mm-hmm. but I, it's part of what I, I, I still have to do it because at the end of the day, I'm trying to gain support and resources for the women that I'm working with. So it's like, it's kind of like, well, it's just what you have to do to get the job done. Yeah. And I, I, okay. So you're hitting why I'm so motivated to have this conversation and we are setting the expectation. We will not have answers today. I've already got yeah. in mind <laughs> uh, other podcasts I want to have about this, but I've been feeling mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. since the, Church two movement um, started happening. I just had this gut feeling, same same as what I had back at Karis, that I didn't have words for. That this is all connected. That there's a move mm. of the spirit to mm. uncover some way, really harmful ways that men and women have interacted mm-hmm. with each other mm-hmm. in the church, and they're tied. It's connected. And I was like, it's connected to the mm-hmm. abortion issue and why we're not a safe place for this. I don't know how, and and that's again, I think with. <laughs> I've worked a long time to figure out how to talk about the abortion issue in a non-political way and to not trigger anyone. And this is like, oh, I don't exactly know how to talk Mm. about this. Uh, I can pull out politics Mm -hmm. and we can share stories, which is our intent today. Mm -hmm. Um, But they are, it's connected. And that's why I thought of you because it's connected to why we do or don't respond to trafficking. And it's, and this is, nobody is the enemy here. Like, I just want to say that. Let's just start out by saying that because some of the criticism is, oh, this movie shows men as bad or, or, or this is, promoting a world where women are in charge. And that was not what I took from it. What I took from it Mm -hmm. is nobody wins when either gender (laughs) tries to be the, to be over the other. That's right. Is that what Mm -hmm. you like at the Mm -hmm. end of the day? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. you saw it. Okay. Absolutely. You, you saw yeah. it with your husband yeah. mm-hmm. and your mm-hmm. teenage daughter. I mm-hmm. saw it with my husband. Was that the takeaway of the people you watched mm-hmm. it with too? 
Let's just start there. Yeah. So my daughter, 16 year old daughter, um, it was her second time seeing it and she was like, just kind of annoyed by it at the end. And she just said, why can't, why couldn't they just show what partnership looks like? Yeah. Why couldn't they just show what it would look like if men and women lived in a society where there was partnership and nobody had to sacrifice the expense of who they are in order to have a flourishing life. And I was like, girl, write that down. Like, that's that's good. Well, that's, that should Mm -hmm. be the kingdom, right? She's expressing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a view. That's a kingdom view. That's what it should be like in the church. Yeah. So, and and I, I, I'm so curious to get more of your thoughts of what you thought of the movie, because I left frustrated Mm. and, um, people I have talked to have said, well, that's art. That's what it did to you. It left you frustrated. It wasn't meant to give you the solutions. It was meant to show you the problem, but my brain has a hard time sitting in the problems. I really like to just find solutions and move forward. It's my wiring. Right. So I left on, I was uncomfortable and I left frustrated, um, processing it in hindsight. Of course, I, I recognize now that, that the intent of the movie wasn't to solve patriarchy. The intent of the movie was to exaggerate and some, maybe some people wouldn't say exaggerate, but ex- show an exaggeration. Right. right of culture and how ludicrous it is either with either way, right? Yes. All women in charge or all men in charge. Yeah. Okay. That's the, I'm love, love that you used the word ludicrous. Cause that, um, it was my husband and I talked about it. I think that, cause he said this, he's like, everybody comes in and watches the first 30 minutes and thinks, Oh, that's ludicrous. Barbie land, a place where mm-hmm. women are in charge. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And then when they flip it to the real world, it's like, that is, Equally as ludicrous. And so mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. feeling was stronger. And I would say he shared this too, because we were caught unawares, right? And that's art. We were caught up in Barbie land. This is so counter to what we're used to that when we saw what we're used to, it it was like a new light. And like, this is mm-hmm. just as crazy. And mm-hmm. um that that's what that felt like. And to me, mm-hmm. uh, what I, we're so different. Th- I mean, we're so alike in some ways, but so different because <laughs> I immediately just went personal and I was mm-hmm. like, um, I really connected with Barbie. You know, her first experience in the real world is objectification. And when mm-hmm. I watched it again, you know, Ken's like, I feel admired, not ogled at all and no tone of violence. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, <laughs> I really feel a tone of violence. And and the way the men talked to her, I was just like, mm-hmm. and I think what that did for me was, and this is what I want people to hear as experience as women. I can't even remember when I realized that was the case, but mm-hmm. I just felt a little heartbroken. That, that place made mm-hmm. me feel heartbroken because, and I unpacked some things with my husband that to- just toxic stuff that happened to me growing up in the seventies. So I do remember being shocked by stuff, but it's the innocence of mm-hmm. <laughs> of a girl mm-hmm. and then finding out that, and that was just one piece of it, but I don't know, mm-hmm. that one piece just resonated mm-hmm. with me and I, I don't have mm-hmm. an answer for it, but I just kind of sat in that feeling of mm-hmm. before I knew that was reality and then, oh, this is reality and how much in the church, okay, let's just take that mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. How much mm-hmm. do we settle for that? H- how much mm-hmm. have we all been programmed under that to where we don't even question it? We don't do what your daughter mm-hmm. did and say, what mm-hmm. would actually be, what would the kingdom piece look mm-hmm. like? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I'm so glad you processed that because those are a lot of, <laughs> that's, that is totally like, 
it can conjure up a lot. Yes. I mean, honestly, so I'm glad that you, you process that. I think one of the things that in addition to what Maddie was able to articulate, the other thing that really just bothered me is the movie highlighted the worst of both men and women. Exactly. Stereotypes. Totally. And that men are super controlling and egocentric and all they care about is power and that women are manipulative. I hated the ending when they manipulated the men in order to get the vote. And I thought, what kind of message is this that you have to manipulate your way into power? And I recognize that maybe I took it too literal. That was the whole point was that, you know, they were highlighting both the worst of men and women. And so that really irritated me. Um, And again, my, the way my personality processed the whole thing was it just didn't feel helpful or productive Mm. from my point of view. And, and we're in a cultural war right now where everything feels super divisive. And so wherever you stand left or right, leaning politically, theology, whatever, um, this just gave you ammo to further believe what you believe. Right. And so to me, I was like, where's the bridge building in all of this? And I just don't think that was the purpose of the movie. <laughs> it wasn't right. meant to build bridges. Right. But it, the- it was intended to give us conversation. Like, exactly. Like we're yeah. having. Mm-hmm. And can mm-hmm. we, can mm-hmm. we build bridges from those conversation? And I think right. that, um, you know, just from our own experience, and maybe, so maybe this is the place we build bridges. Um, as, uh, like I mm. said, as I was reevaluating how should this conversation go, I really do think mm-hmm. what Christy Vines brought in that last podcast of sitting mm-hmm. and listening to people's stories and even that exercise of um, where they would hear someone's story and have to speak it back as that person. I really think that's the place for bridge building because um, what I what I liked about the movie was it was written by a man and a woman. So Greta Gerwig directed mm-hmm. it, which she's a female director, the most successful mm-hmm. female director. I love seeing that, right? Such an underrepresented field. She did Little Women, love Little Women, and mm-hmm. Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. Um, but she wrote the movie with Noah Baumbach, who's her partner. And so it did. It does have a place for men and women to come together and have conversation because mm-hmm. I do think mm-hmm. it's written out of the experience of both of them. And so I think to have the conversation, listening to each other, maybe that's the place for bridge building and, and mm-hmm. saying, you know, why were you frustrated, Simone? What, did, what, what is it you thought mm-hmm. was so negative? Even hearing that, mm-hmm. I think that's a place we can, we can start to have the conversation because mm-hmm. I do want to see this be a bridge builder between men and women. Mm-hmm. That's why I asked mm-hmm. you to come on. I think in both of our issues, it can feel hard in the church for men and women to have this mm-hmm. conversation together. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm asking the question, are there some things the movie highlights that we need to start deconstructing mm-hmm. as believers, mm-hmm. things we've accepted as normal between men and women that aren't mm-hmm. intended by God, that actually they're, they're getting in the way of us addressing these really important issues? Mm-hmm. Um, because these mm-hmm. two issues involve women and men together, um, but mm-hmm. women bear the brunt of the shame. Uh, I mean, there's just so mm-hmm. many stories. So something's not right at the very core. Mm-hmm. And you said mm-hmm. something before we started, like, it's scary to open that box. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to be in there, and I don't have the answer. But um, when could we use this movie or could we use this time and culture to say, what have we believed between mm-hmm. the genders that really mm-hmm. isn't God that would help us mm-hmm. come together. Mm-hmm. I know that's pie in the sky. You know me. <laughs> I go straight to the, mm-hmm. the huge mm-hmm. dream, but that would be my mm-hmm. dream. Like what, 
what Maddie talked about, that kingdom view, I would, so both of these involve the sexual area, right? So I, I, I did, mm-hmm. I did see that objectification area, all of that in this movie. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Even if we just take even not even leadership, right? You talked about leadership and being small and I have examples of that too. And we can definitely touch on that, but in terms of the issues we're working with and trying to have productive mm-hmm. conversations, it involves the issue of sexuality. And there's just some mm-hmm. weird things that don't reflect the kingdom mm-hmm. that are accepted in the church. Mm-hmm. And I love the church like you do. Mm-hmm. Where could we start deconstructing some of that and rebuilding mm-hmm. as brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. Well, I told you this already, but I have shared last month's episode um, with that the woman was brilliant mm-hmm. and her experience and yeah. research on, mm-hmm, on what it takes to um, hear from people and how, um, what we can do, what are practical things, practical things we can do to hear each other's story yeah. and, and have that connection. It's exactly what we need in today's culture in terms of, we believe, you know, we can feel so divided and have such um, polarizing issues that come up um, and completely miss one yes. another. And it, it does happen at Naomi's house all the time. And we work really hard to um, give women who go through our programming and who we do therapy with, and we try to reunite with their family and help them find jobs in the community. And it's a constant battle Mm. that women who've been exploited and have any history in the sex industry um, have any criminal records or have had any length of time where they weren't parenting because they either lost custody or they experienced homelessness. There's all these things that, that they're fighting against to rebuild their lives that um, our culture has a hard time embracing and re kind of allowing their re-entry into the community. And so teaching the church and equipping the community around us on how to see women beyond the label of a trafficking victim or yeah. a former sex worker um, is where we start a lot of those conversations. And um, it's important for people to know how women were lured into commercial exploitation, what their experiences were like um, and what life is like for them now. And, and being able just to share those stories uh, women themselves are empowered to share them if they're ever feeling like they want to, but a lot of times they don't. It's re-traumatizing to express yeah. their history and their story. Yeah. Um, so we'll give like general stories um, to help people understand that that narrative. And as soon as people learn about what life was like for the women we started when they were younger or as teenagers and how they were abused as children and there was ob- objectification as teenagers, it just completely melts away the stereotype we have um, towards women who um, have any history whatsoever with sexual exploitation or trafficking. And they still struggle to find jobs. And we have a hard time finding landlords who will Mm. sign a lease with women as they graduate from our program. We have a hard time. I don't know how telling, I don't have the answer to this, but it's very telling that we're mainly based in DuPage County where there are, ironically, DuPage County is the the highest is the county that buys the most sex out of the state of Illinois. So the most sex is purchased, whether online or through escorts in DuPage County. And the trend that we see, the the causation of that is that DuPage County is one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest county in the state 
Wow. Okay. So think about that. There's also the most churches. That's where my head went. Okay. So just process that for a second. We have to. Additionally, mm-hmm. additionally, when women are going through our programming, whether it's through our residential programming or a day programming, um, we, we just give her resources and tools and we help her build pathways to know God and to receive his love. It's, it's all just voluntarily. It's, it's let us model this. Let us, um, if you have questions about God, we want to talk to you about him. A lot of women who come to our programs are already believers. And so I say all that because a lot of their healing comes from them building a relationship or starting a relationship with God. Mm. And it's beautiful, right? We believe that full and total healing comes through a relationship with Jesus. So when that happens in women's, I mean, literally on my calendar in two weeks, a woman's being baptized, Mm. like just it's, it's constant. It's, it's the power of the gospel. But what happens is because it's a lifetime of healing. When you've experienced exploitation in the ways our women have, they can't find a church to go to. Mm. So because of their appearance or because of um, culturally the way they dress or their mannerisms or um, the way they were socialized growing up, they just look different and their language is different and their mannerisms are different a lot of times than what we see in a lot of the churches around DuPage County. And so the, it's just a, I don't know what the word is. It's a myth, the, the um, deferential between what churches look like in this county and why women can't find a home there. I don't have the solution to it. I wish I could figure out, but it's just, it's just a myth. Wow. And why there's so much trafficking in a county that's known, mm-hmm. not just for churches, but I would say evangelical churches, right? And mm-hmm. the city of mm-hmm. Wheaton is in DuPage and a lot of big mm-hmm. churches. Huh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know. I know. Mm -hmm. I just feel like, and I want, okay, I want to invite men into this conversation. And we are going Mm -hmm. to have a conversation with some um, pastors, men and women. We're going to continue this. But I just want to invite men um, into this conversation that it doesn't have to be this way. Again, I feel like, Mm -hmm. so let's go back to that scene in Barbie. We just accept that men ogle women, right? And, and, And even in, okay, I'll tell you this. My husband and I are reading this book called The Great Sex Rescue. Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah. I'm reading the second one, which is She Deserves Better. Okay. So I'm recommending yeah. both of them. Mm-hmm. We'll put them in the mm-hmm. show notes. Now, I don't, is She Deserves Better about marriage? Because the great No, sex- it's about the toxic teachings oh. of evangelical churches around sex. Okay. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a better one then. Well, The Great Sex Rescue mm-hmm. is specifically marriage, mm-hmm. that one. And mm-hmm. so again, maybe this is why the Barbie movie resonated with me because I read this book like three months ago and we're going through and discussing it. And it was like Great. my trip is like my awakening. Mm-hmm. It's like Barbie's mm-hmm. awakening in mm-hmm. the movie mm-hmm. where I was like, <laughs> they talked these books that, mm-hmm. that I was told to read mm-hmm. as a new wife in, mm-hmm. I got married in 1993. They act like I exist for my husband. Like I, and yeah. it, We've been deconstructing this type of stuff for a couple of decades. Mm-hmm. My husband and I, we've been in counseling. Mm-hmm. But I think reading that book, I was like, this is blatant. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have mm-hmm. accepted this. And I guess that's what I mean. And what I said to my husband was, mm-hmm. we got to go to the very bottom of all this and like tear it all down. And so that's mm-hmm. why I said, will you come to see Barbie with me? <laughs> and it was, it was productive again. It's not the answer to everything, but it's productive to this conversation. I mean, she quotes leaders 
saying things about young women that are just mm. not the kingdom. And yet this has been put mm-hmm. in a Christian book and we're supposed to accept that we exist for men. And you know what? Yeah. Men aren't happy with that either. And I love she talks mm-hmm. about that in the book. Like we settle mm-hmm. for it, but we settle for it, but nobody's happy with that. Mm-hmm. And I think getting to the root mm-hmm. of that then, and she demystifies things like lust and objectification, mm-hmm. like it's not that big of a deal. You just see women or men, you know, see people as people. Mm-hmm. And I think for us as Christians, yeah. you see them in the mm-hmm. image of God. And, you know, I think about the women mm-hmm. you're talking about. These are our sisters in Christ. We need mm-hmm. to make a place in the church. Um, we, these are our brothers in Christ. We need to be able to have this conversation with them. Um, I don't know. There's something there and I don't know how to say it, except that we've tolerated our own sanitized versions, maybe of objectification Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. women existing Mm -hmm. for men and that we have to stop that. If we're going to see God bring Mm -hmm. the kingdom and bring these better relationships between men and women. Mm -hmm. Not only women existing for men, but men, women are also responsible for the sin and the lust of men. Yes. And mm-hmm, it's, yeah, that box that you said, are we going to open it? Because what'd you do? It's really I'm hard sorry. to close we're, it. But we're opening it. No, yes. it's, I know. It's so good. It's so important to talk about as long as everyone understands that we're still figuring it out. And we're not experts um, and we're recommending these books because no, they do a far better yeah, job than we will. Maybe right. we'll see if these uh, yeah. the authors can come on this podcast too. They would oh, do a you job. totally should. It's yeah. a mother daughter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the great sex, the great sex rescue does a ton of research. And yeah. so they use that research for, she deserves better. Okay. Their, their sequel, I guess okay. to be more, maybe that's how they would call it. And there is this overwhelming trend. And this is you, Angie, growing up in the, I didn't grow up in the church. Right. And so right. I came to faith as a high school student. Um, but growing up in the church, the common evangelical t- teachings about marriage and sex ended up long-term, and this is all research-based from the books. You can look it up and see it. The general teaching that we can take from it is that women who grew up in the church had a lower self-esteem yeah. and they entered into marriages with a lower self-esteem. And the implications of low self-esteem can go a million different directions, but yeah. it's not knowing what your boundaries are or not adhering to yep. your boundaries, um, feeling shame if those boundaries were crossed, um, not being able to articulate your needs. Yep. Um, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, women who also grew up in the church, an evang- evangelical church who went on average once a week had um, less understanding of our bodies and how they work. And they knew more male not male anatomy vocabulary than they did a female. Wow. Their own bodies. Wow. Isn't that bonkers? It's but it's true. I mean, if crazy. you think about it, it's true. It's crazy. It's crazy, but and it's so I love true. Yes, and I lived it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So it's a it's a um it's a little bit of a scary conversation to have because as I'm raising, I have a 16-year-old daughter and I also have a six-year-old daughter. Yep. Um and they talk in this, in these books, in this conversation, that's so important. Do we have a lot around what you've already talked about, but like um, the modesty messages and how they're always, they tend to be heavily geared toward women and not toward men and how purity culture has actually been damaging. And that like, that feels like it's a dichotomy. Like how can purity be harmful? Cause right. we know purity is a biblical value, exactly. but it, it has, but been. the way, Mm-hmm. It has been. And so understanding that and then having convert, like now I'm thinking, I think I've actually said the wrong things to my daughter yeah. who's 16 now and how right. she, and I want to, I've asked her, I've had to like retract some of those things. And it's scary because you don't want 
harmful effects to happen. Yeah. You don't want bad things to happen to our yeah. girls, but at the same time, teaching people out of fear and shame is never an effective way. I mean, it, it can be effective, but it's going right. to, it's going to result in bad fruit. Um, right. Whereas there's so much, it's a slower, more intentional way of parenting and raising girls and raising our daughters. Um, when we have more conversations that typically are uncomfortable, right. right to talking about sex at a young age, not at an appropriate age with girls and just, yeah. and, and, and giving them, the space to ask questions and um, not parent out of fear and raise girls out of fear and shame. And it's, it just, it takes, it's so much more work. Right. No, and, or raise, or uh, raise boys. I mean, we both have girls. Totally. Both have a, I have a daughter and a son. Yeah. You have two daughters, two yeah. sons. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah, right. This, That's right. So, so I think, and this is where, you know, going back to our issues. So, and this is this route. So I'm glad we named it in trafficking. There are men, mm-hmm. there are men users. There are men. I don't know what you call the um, people who traffic her. Buyers. Buyers, um, but then traffickers. There's, there's also mm-hmm. the traffickers. Sellers. Yep. The sellers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the abortion mm-hmm. issue. Obviously, there's a man in the, in mm-hmm. the child is, is half the man's. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think the uncomfortableness in the church of talking about these, and, and I have stories to tell about how it manifests, but it's this wrong thinking that women are responsible or women are the mm-hmm. temptress to these things because. Mm-hmm. He actually uses the word Jezebel in the Barbie movie, which I was like, yes. that's such a biblical, but that, that's that. And that's mm-hmm. what was in these books. Mm-hmm. Even when the books mm-hmm. that we're referencing talk about men's lust issue, the way they talked about it is, oh, the danger of the mm-hmm. woman's body, that the woman's body is the problem mm-hmm. as opposed to, that's not what Jesus mm-hmm. says. Jesus mm-hmm. talks about the person who's mm-hmm. doing the lusting and a body mm-hmm. doesn't necessitate doesn't necessitate lust or, or, you know, mm-hmm. this thing. So there's this mm-hmm. fear, I guess like what I'm getting to is, and these are, these mm-hmm. are good men. I'm not saying where there's not talking about bad men who are trying to hurt women. I'm talking about good men who've absorbed these messages who are a little afraid sometimes yeah. Because it's, well, isn't it the woman's fault? I mean, I think that just, mm-hmm. that's been like a, something I believe from the enemy, just covering our eyes in this. Not only isn't it kind of mm-hmm. the woman's fault, but secondly, the absolute absence of the man. So someone was just telling me a story. I was at, she's another woman who has her doctorate, very powerful woman. I'm inviting you to come on our board. And I was like, can you help me theologically talk about the Barbie movie? Um, and she said in her church, there, the woman got pregnant outside of marriage. They brought the woman up and made her apologize. The man is sitting right there. I mean, I've heard about it happen mm-hmm. where she said, go get mm-hmm. the man. Like, I've heard this story several times. But the fact that the man was actually a church member and only the mm-hmm. woman was brought. And then we wonder, oh, why don't women come when they're facing an unintended pregnancy? Mm-hmm. Or why don't mm-hmm. you know men come? Mm-hmm. We're not doing anybody um, we're not helping anybody when we continue thinking it's women's fault or that men aren't involved. Like this is, I guess what I, my mm-hmm. heart, let's be brothers mm-hmm. and sisters. Let's view each other as humans. Let's own our parts in both of these issues mm-hmm. and come together to work on them. I mean, I mean, this is why you, this is why you exist. <laughs> this, is, this is your calling is to teach churches how to do this. I mean, the, the pro grace approach is, um, it's so powerful and it starts way before an unintended pregnancy, right? Yes. It starts with teaching the teachings of Jesus and his radical grace. It yes. makes us uncomfortable. Everybody wants to say, but what about the sin? Right. Yes. Right. I mean, yes. that's, ne- I mean, we know that that's right. inevitable, but right. it's the grace over and over and over that we talked about this this morning. 
in a meeting. It is the kindness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. It isn't shame yeah. or embarrassment or, you know, bringing somebody up in front of the church. Yeah. I, I did. I'm shocked. I did not know that still existed today. I mean, and this happened a while ago. She was telling me this, okay. but it's not the okay, first time I've still, heard the story. And it was so evident that uh-huh. he was right there. And I guess you, you triggered something in me. Let's talk about all the sins, right? So let's talk uh-huh. about the sin of, uh-huh. of even in the church. These, you got to read these mm-hmm. books because the stories in the church of making it normal, that it's normal for men to ogle women. Like that, that's a sin. Uh-uh. And, and we both do uh-uh. it. Men and women accept it. Let's not accept that sin. Let's not mm-hmm. accept the sin that we're, that, that we're sending a message that women in the church need to be smaller. And I don't care whether you're complementarian or egalitarian. God gives leadership gifts to women and men, you mm-hmm. could argue in equal measure. And there mm-hmm. needs to be respect for that. Um, actually, I want you to share your story as we go. My story, I told my husband, he's like, you have to share this. I know we're almost out of time, but you know, I, I grew up with a definite, um, pull towards ministry. Um, and I grew up in the seventies and eighties. And you know what I thought I was going to do? I thought I'd be a pastor's wife and then I would sing. And, and, And I just, am like, where did I absorb that? That was the way I could do ministry. Like that's, I guess the Barbie movie, like it's so shocking for her coming from Barbie land. I guess I was being empathetic with my young self. Like that must've been shocking Mm -hmm. to have a dream to be in ministry, but to think, well, that I will marry someone who's in ministry. That's how I'll be in ministry. Mm -hmm. And I actually Mm -hmm. chose to go on staff with the ministry after college because there were women leaders. It was the first place I saw Mm -hmm. where women could lead. But even with that, I didn't notice that it was only before they had kids. So when I became a mom, mm-hmm. I experienced, they literally shut me down and, and said, oh, you're not going to do ministry anymore. And I was like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, that was a damaging, but that's, that's mm-hmm. this message you're talking about. I, you know, when I wonder why do I struggle with being small? Well, I'm told my dreams, it w- once I had a child, my dreams had to die. Like I, I, my identity was changed. Now I'm, uh, and that's key to the abortion issue, right? Which is why I'm so passionate about it. But we need to repent of sending messages like that to women. And mm-hmm. I feel okay mm-hmm. asking people to do that. And I own my part in it. You know, it's not like I'm not willing to have this conversation, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. these things don't just happen. Like there, there are things who's accepted of no- as normal that have hurt women yeah. and we need to be mm-hmm. able to talk about mm-hmm. them. So do you mind sharing mm-hmm. your story that I asked you to share that you'd forgot that you couldn't believe I remembered, but it's so impacted <laughs> me that I do remember it. And I, want to end the podcast with this because I I think it needs to be heard. We need to hear your story. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I mean, the one you're referring to was when I was in grad school and um, I went to a complementarian um, seminary. Yes. (laughs) They changed the name to Moody Theological Theological Seminary. Okay. I um, had to take a preaching class. My point in and making it known that the school I went to was a complementarian seminary was that I was still required to take a preaching class. I didn't realize you were required was, to take it. It was a required class. And I remember thinking this feels uncomfortable because I know that my male professor and my male classmates don't believe based on their theology that I have the authority to teach men. And I didn't know, am I sinning according to them by even Mm. having, I had to do several messages. I went through the process of putting together messages and preaching, and then they would record you. Um, Anyway. And so I just 
I saw the irony in that and didn't really push back because I just wanted to complete the class and finish my degree and move on. Um, And so one of the messages I gave, we critiqued each other and another guy in the class wrote on my critique, um, you would be a good preacher if you were a man. And I wasn't even like aware yet of some of the discrepancies that happened for men and women in leadership roles or teaching roles. I just remember thinking, well, that's hurtful. Like, what does it even mean? And I did, I took it, I took the critique and I went to the professor and I was tearful, you know, and then even that, you know, you get kind of stereotyped for being, for being emotional. And I went to him and in tears and just said, this is what you're teaching. This is, this is, this is coming from your teaching and your theology that because I'm a woman, I'm not a good preacher, but yet he's saying that he's like a backhanded compliment. And so that, I mean, obviously it stuck with me. It stuck with you because you remember it. And yeah, God has done a, a, an amazing redemptive story in my life that I'm so grateful for. I don't seek out to preach um, because of my role at Naomi's house. Um, I have the opportunity to teach a lot. I mean, I teach my staff and it's part of my role and I have those opportunities. So I feel very fulfilled. But in the last several years, more and more opportunities have come up for me to teach and preach. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's been very redemptive. And I feel like the Lord has, and, and part, and I, and I, I, I feel like your story is similar. And I just want to say this, this last part, especially about men, um, is my husband didn't grow up in the evangelical church either. So when we were young and getting married and we went through premarital counseling by an evangelical couple that we loved dearly, they were wonderful premarital counselors to us, but they definitely taught us the traditional evangelical roles for men and women. And we desperately wanted a a healthy marriage and we desperately wanted to please God. So we like wore these roles as ill-fitting as they were for us. The very beginning of our marriage, because we wanted to do the right thing. It was so obvious (laughs) from the very beginning of our marriage that we were not a traditional couple. That when it came to what we were taught not only from these counselor premarital counselors, but just from the church in general of yeah. men and women's. I mean, there's never been a day that I have not worked. I just thrive when I'm working. Yeah. Anthony does 90% of the cooking. I hate the grocery store. He loves the grocery store. I mean, there are so many non-traditional roles that we fulfill. And so as God's done a redemptive life, a redemptive work in my life, yeah. especially around teaching and preaching, he's done a, redemp- a redemptive work in both of us. And Anthony is the biggest cheerleader the biggest cheerleader and he was uh, he was so annoyed at the barbie movie and how it made men <laughs> look because he was like i don't identify with you yeah. he really is just a beautiful picture of god's grace in his own life and being so comfortable in who he is and how he he jokes all the time and says i'm constantly introduced as simone's husband which is just hilarious and awkward for both of us but um it's just part of our story that yeah. we have found so much freedom and I say all the time, there's actually not roles identified in scripture That's that are was, applicable to talking, us today. Yeah. When you're talking yes. about it, I'm like, no, there's not. In fact, I, I do all the cooking because yes. I love it. But mm-hmm. Bob, and it'd be so funny. Uh, he would always organize all the play dates because I would double book. So it's him and all the moms, you know, texting. Awesome. I love it. Because I, I, love I can't it. do that. But you're right. It doesn't yeah. say that. Doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, and I would also no, say it doesn't. It also doesn't say I, I. I know some lovely complimentarian people who would be appalled at what happened to you there because even that, mm-hmm. God gives gifts to people. You know, like you were mm-hmm. called to preach to 
even if they didn't believe you could preach in a church setting to men, whatever they're mm-hmm. a true, mm-hmm. you know, if a true brother in Christ would celebrate mm-hmm. that you were going to use these gifts, all these other places. Right. And I guess that's the thing. I don't want to make mm-hmm. this a divide between complementarian, egalitarian, mm-hmm. or men and women. I, we're going back to Maddie. You got to tell Maddie how much she's in this podcast. <laughs> we want the kingdom. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I yeah. love that you and I are dreaming big. Like she said, like, why can't mm-hmm. they show what it looks like in partnership. And to our point, Mm -hmm. it's going to get messy. We're going to have to unpack some Mm -hmm. things. I I hope we do. I I hope people go see the Barbie movie with a significant man or woman in their life and talk Mm -hmm. about it after dinner and like, talk about it. Mm -hmm. Just start Mm -hmm. having the conversation Mm -hmm. um, because I do think God's doing something new and um, we just want to be part of it. So Thank you, Simone, for being so brave (laughs) going into this. This is so full circle for me. You know this. I love and respect you with everything in me. So I'm just so honored that you asked me to be on this with you today. Yes. Well, you are an amazing leader. um, And I'm grateful to have known you all these years. And I do love how it's come (laughs) full circle. So great talking with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you've been inspired to see Jesus and to be part of a community where you feel at home. Join our email subscriber list to receive updates on how together we can change the Christian response to abortion. The only way we'll do that is through God's grace, which is beyond measure. I am so grateful for that. And so until next time, I'm Angela Wesley on the grace journey with you. Pro-Grace on Abortion, Real Talk, No Politics is a production of Pro-Grace International.